Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a uh, very timely episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure to be joined by one of the most positive, forward-thinking people in the chiropractic profession, Dr. Brandon Steele. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on board. Absolutely. Now, Brandon, I love uh, being able to talk to you right now because we are in scary times, brother. It is. (laughs) The world is crazy out there. Practices are changing. And not only do you have your own practice that you run every day that you've had to make significant changes in, you also have a service to the chiropractic profession in Cairo Up that uh, allows you to see essentially the larger market. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. And so for those who don't know about Cairo Up, can you quickly share what it is and if they want to check it out uh, because it's awesome, where they can go? Oh, it's a, it's a platform essentially. So it's at www.chiroup.com, C-H-I-R-O-U-P. And uh, it's a service just to help uh, make your practice a little more efficient uh, and be a little more effective clinically. And then I think most importantly to measure your results. And I think that's one of the things that uh, I had difficulty with when I first started practice, but uh, when that person leaves, are they better or did they not like their care or yeah. could I have done something better or should I have done something different? And uh, so it's a way to essentially automate the uh, the 95 to 98% of things you do in your practice and in your four walls and then uh, hopefully get better, uh, learn from everybody else. Uh, so it's a, it's a cool platform. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy doing it and uh, it just uh, adds to what I do clinically when I'm seeing patients. Well, I, I will tell you this, man. Uh, you know, in my work, I come across a lot of softwares and those directed chiropractors. I have never seen any other software company with such glowing positive users in the chiropractic space as ChiroUp. There are many other softwares. Maybe a, one EMR Jane gets close to that, but uh, that's the only one I hear about where people are excited to use it. They're appreciative and they enjoy it. There are many others, unfortunately, that are uh, charging their users every month and the experience is at best just okay. So, yeah, I, I think that we have a really, and I have talked with Jane uh, and I, I look at the people who like our product. And it's not because they like our product. It's because they built our product. Uh, if anybody has seen Kyra up in its infancy, it doesn't look anything like it does now. <laughs> and we, uh, we survey uh, at least 10 people every six months, 10 of our subscribers and to figure out um, what they like, what they don't like, what they want to see in the future. But I think that most importantly, we actually look at the people who discontinue our service and we have a consult with them to say, what didn't you like? How can we make it better? And it has very little to do with uh, our uh, vision of the future and more to do with how everybody else is, you know, perceiving what's going on in their own practice and then finding solutions around those problems. Yeah, I love it. It's, you know, don't do what you want, do what your customer wants, right? Like at some point you... Yeah, you can lead a little bit, but you got to give what the you got to solve the the problem that your customers are dealing with at that moment. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I want to thank uh, Chris Anderson. He's the, I think the president right now of North Dakota Chiropractic Association. Mm-hmm. He uh, had me read a book. Actually, I didn't read it. I'm not going to lie. I listened <laughs> to it. Um, and it was called Wired Differently. And uh, it's just a great book on how to have better customer service. And uh, really uh, something I would probably recommend to anybody looking to just to create a, a better customer experience uh, it, with whatever, if it's a company or your practice or even, even your household at times. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll probably circle back to that idea because I think it'll come up. What I want to talk about today is, um, you know, let me start with my stance. I love chiropractic. I love chiropractors. I want to see chiropractors succeed. I want to see them grow. And 30, 40, 50 years from now, you, when chiropractors retire, I want them to be fulfilled. I want them to be proud. I want all those things. And right now there are threats to all of those emotions. There are threats to the chiropractic profession um, and I want to talk about this today because to, to think that it's going to be all sunshine and roses, I think is a ridiculous way for me to think, but, uh, it doesn't mean there aren't problems that we can solve and certainly ways to improve things. What's your perspective right now of the profession as a whole? And if we look maybe in the next three months and maybe three years from now, you think we'll just move past this point and it'll be operations as normal? I do. In okay. fact, I think that it's the steps that we take right now that are really solidify where we're going to move forward individually, but also as a profession. One thing that I find very, very intriguing, and I think that in the next year, uh, people will hopefully see how intrigued I have been about it, um, is that the most uneducated person in healthcare, which is the patient, makes the most important decision in healthcare, which is which provider they see first. Yep. And right now we have chiropractors rushing to do telemedicine, which I highly recommend. We can get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. However, that's already the patient who has selected you is now going into telemedicine. Uh, what would happen if we could find a way to, or for patients to enter in symptoms and part of their you know, um, you know, history and, and physical exam findings and answer questions, and then we can select which patients could fit best into our office. Um, I don't think it's something a chiropractor is uh, specifically can do versus a, a DO versus an MD versus a PT. I think chiros uh, are a little better at um, having a little more um, understanding of how to have better patient satisfaction. And um, we are educated at just musculoskeletal. And I think that when I talk with my medical friends, they know so much more than I do. Um, they know so much more about every system. But when it does come to musculoskeletal, I do think I have a little bit of a, uh, a head up on them. And it's, it's, it's just not fair. It's because I only have to deal with that system. They have sure. to deal with so many other things that if we can find a way to virtually communicate with patients before their patients, then I think that we would provide an uh, invaluable service to patients. And also, I think everybody hates insurance companies, but I, I just don't think insurance companies know how to do it yet. Um, as far as to find how to filter those patients into the right places. I didn't know that insurance companies have their own set of reviews and rankings in their books. And, and they are filtering patients into different offices based on mm-hmm. who's number one in the book versus number mm-hmm. two. Uh, can you imagine if you had a queue of patients wanting to talk to you? Now, right now we have that. We have Google, we have Facebook, we have our website, and the patients are interviewing us on a daily basis. So right now, um, if you're not building your online interview platform up and explaining what you do and why you do it, if you're not making any changes, then you're right. Your future probably doesn't look great. 
because whatever got you to here is not going to get you there um, because the, the, it is going to change after this is done. And I think the people that can recognize that and to make the appropriate changes and maybe dive into the virtual realm uh, will have a much better success yeah. in the next five years. I love it. I think you, you addressed a lot of points there. One of which you, you, for most of what you just said, you could pull out chiropractor and say restaurant owner, right? I mean, right now, yeah. restaurant owners are under a ton of pressure. And if they don't switch to a to-go order takeout model right now, it, it's basically over. And for chiropractors, you have to, uh, I think right now you m- must adopt a virtual ability that let's move three, five years from now that takeout situation at the restaurant is maybe 20 to 30% of their business if they set up things correctly. And it's no different for a chiropractor, right? There's no reason. Let's say that Brandon, you see, I'm just going to throw numbers out. You Two months ago before the, the COVID virus ever hit, you saw a hundred people a week. And now that number has fallen to, because of the restrictions you're putting on, 30 people a week. I'm just rough numbers here. When it gets back up to a hundred, what if that the the system you build in telemedicine and virtual visits allows you to see another 20 people on there without any more building, without any more staff, without any more knowledge. You didn't have to go to any seat, but you built this ability or this capability on there that's allowing you uh, this additional work, or sorry, this additional income source from people you already know, people that already trust you, your place, the, the same Google rankings, the same office name and logo, all that stuff. And here you are with a new um, capability and a new source of revenue three years from now. I mean, what we're, it's, it's awesome, but you have to step back and just say, hey, the world has changed. We got to step up and, and learn how to play this new game. Yeah, I, I love where your head's at because I, I, I 100% believe that I should be seeing patients for life. Mm-hmm. However, not for the same condition. And mm-hmm. that if I'm seeing someone for life in the same condition, that patient should have left me a long time ago. Um, yeah. Now, unless it's something significant, you know, and- as far as stenosis. However, I think that what you just said builds into my model, and I love it because there are two camps in chiropractic right now. The first one is dig your head in the sand and see what happens in 30 days. That's fine. We won't talk about that model. Uh, the other model is <laughs> I've got to ma- I've got to do something. Different. I don't care what yeah. it is. I've, I've got to. I've got to put food on my table. I've got to make a change. So I think that within that second camp, which is the right camp, uh, just my opinion, um, there are two ways of doing it. One, you can think of telemedicine as a stopgap to kind of get you through these next couple months. But I think that's really kind of a poor model. I think your other model is, hey, it's a new line of service. You know, this is something else I can do for my patients. I think that the third model is what I really try to do in my practice is that my biggest problem, and I, I would assume this is most chiropractors' biggest problems, is adherence. Uh, so how well a patient will comply with their care. So what I'm testing, or and I mean, I, I just test things out like everybody else, is that, you know, if I did my treatment plan and mm-hmm. I did six visits over two weeks or whatever it is, and maybe that re-exam doesn't have to be uh, in my office. What if that re-exam was a phone call and on Friday I released that patient and said, hey, next Friday I'm going to give you a call. You're going to do these exercises. I'm going to hop on a call and make sure you're doing the exercise appropriately. We're going to see how you're doing. And then after that, I can, I can see four weeks out. I'm just making numbers up here. Yeah. But how well does that fit into my current line of services and the current expectations that my patients already have? Because then I don't have to be there for that. You know, Fridays, I could be, you know, down playing golf in Scottsdale. Um, I could be 
somewhere else and, and knock those business out anyway, uh, because uh, I'd still be trading time for money, but it does give me some flexibility now that myself nor my patients have to be in my office. Right. And, and there's so many advantages there. I mean, I, how about the people that move, you know, you're licensed in the entire state of, are you in Illinois? Is that right? I am. The entire state of Illinois, you're licensed. So if somebody moves away to a different part of your city or, you know, they move an hour away and they still love you. They're like, Brandon, I love everything you've done for me. Uh, I just, I can't drive to your office. It, now you say, hey, great. You don't need to. Or, you know, I can see you for the next six weeks uh, virtually. And then maybe if we need an in-person re-exam, we'll set something up and they can do one, you know? So it, it offers so many things that we look positive at, uh, positively at it. Um, Brand, can we address some ideas you have for the, as I said, the suckiness that, that is uh, the situation right now? I mean, it's not perfect. There are difficulties. There are also huge opportunities right now because of all the extra time and whatnot. So when, as you think about it, you're pretty, uh, you're, you're an optimist, right? And you're an optimist, but luckily you're in, the, in business right now. So you have to be somewhat of a realist too, and we have to blend those things. What suggestions do you have for people, for chiropractors specifically right now, to address the suckiness that is the current world of COVID-19? Ah, just to find out what your biggest need is in practice. Um, I think that if you come out of this next month to six weeks and you're running the same practice, then, um, you know, I wish, I wish everybody the best. Um, however, whenever I have a little bit more time, I try to think about the, the thing that sucks up my time or my money the most. And then I just try to find a solution for that. Um, so I think that it's going to be different for every single person. Um, when I first started practice, it was developing monthly emails and MD newsletters and sending out birthday cards when I had a little bit more time than money. And, uh, so then the first thing I did when I had a little bit more time was I developed a service to do that for me. Um, so I think it'd be really, we are, we're all in the business of trading time for money. So finding out where your biggest time sucks are. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a a way in, in normally what normally I see, and I'm not saying that's one person specifically, but as soon as they start to, to ramp up their practice and see more patients, then the number one thing that fails is their marketing. And I think that's the biggest piece. Yeah. As soon as they stop marketing, then they see those patients they marketed for. And then six weeks down the road, when patients start to fall off, then they like, oh, I got to do marketing again. Yeah. Um, so finding a way to automate a lot of that process would be my number one piece. That's what I'm working on right now. We just, yeah. we merged everything. Uh, we went to cloud camping, I think it is with Kyra Ups, we manage about two to 250 um, Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts. And oh. we, we dish out all the like evidence-based content for those, those providers. And it's, it's, it's great for them, great for the providers, but it's even better for me because I, I can generate the content once and then I can actually dish it out to every single person with, with one click of the button. So it's, it's about finding what takes me the most time and, and solving mm-hmm. that solution. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as an individual provider, I think one thing that most chiropractors don't have is a CRM, uh, a contact, contact resource management software. So they don't have to be expensive. In fact, a lot of them are free for, you know, the small amounts that, you know, a couple thousand yeah. patients will, will fit well into a free CRM. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding a way to communicate with your patients on a regular basis would be my number one piece. Just making sure that you have a brand. It, I should back that up. Uh, your brand is not you. Uh, so if, if your brand is you, um, I, I think that's going to be difficult to market in the future, but that's a whole different mm-hmm. conversation. Um, but making sure that your brand, your logo, and what you do is getting out to your patients and your tribe um, mm-hmm. weekly to monthly to make sure that every medical doctor, every patient, uh, every family member knows what you do and why you do it. And they see your logo all the time. You know, it, it was interesting. I was just listening to um, 
You ever heard of uh, that book, uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss? No. Fantastic book. Highly recommend it. Listen to it because he re- the author reads it. It's fantastic. He was an FBI negotiator. And uh, in, he talks about negotiation and he says, you know, in business, you think about this negotiation thing as, um, you know, let, Brandon, if I'm selling you a building and you want to buy a building, like you come in at, you know, a million bucks and I say, I want 1.2 and we settle for 1.1, we're, ha- we're both happy or both unhappy, whatever you want to look at. And he says, you know, in FBI negotiations, that, that's not at all the case. You don't go, hey, I mean, you're either going to give me a million bucks or I'm going to kill these hundred people on the plane. And you go, all right, listen, you kill 50, we'll give you 500 grand. We'll call it even. He's like, that's the most ridiculous thought ever. He's like, I want all the people and I'm not going to give you a dime. And you want, you know, you want all the money without having to do anything. And so he says, it's just a different approach, but he was talking and he said, one of the important things in crisis negotiations is you cannot, you have to set up structure where there is none. So let's say one of your kids gets kidnapped. I, you call me and I'm the FBI negotiator. I talked to you, said the most important thing is not me telling you like the FBI is going to come get. The most important thing at that moment is to say, all right, Brandon, I'm going to call you back in one hour. So you set up that micro structure, meaning we have a communication system. There's only one call and it's coming in an hour, but I will call you then. Because when there, he said, if you leave that person to develop their own set, their own structure, their own thought about communication, they will go crazy. Now, it's okay if I call you and I say, Brandon, I told you to call you back. I don't have anything to update you with, but I'll call you in two hours, right? And just alerting the person, I don't have anything to say. I'm just telling you that I'm going to communicate. Going back to what you said about the communication and, and the practice, I think it's important for people right now, communicate with your people. And the lowest form of that may be, listen, I don't have any updates for you about when we'll be open again, but I just want you to know that we're constantly thinking about it. We're monitoring and here's what we're doing and set those things up and then maintain that structure as best you can because that structure will lead to a better relationship with those patients. And when this is all over, we will be able to tell which uh, brands or which offices had great relationships and which ones maybe didn't build it that great because all their patients are gone. Yeah. And I, I love how you said structure because there are people that I've talked to in the last couple of weeks have said, well, I can't manipulate people. Okay, well, well that's, what else can we do? And like, well, that's all I do. And I just tell them I can't help them because, and not that I, not that I, not that I don't want to help them, but unfortunately, they've built a brand and a product and a business and a brick and mortar place that all they do is manipulate people. And yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that that is not a virtual model. However, people that are <laughs> giving advice, like we all should be, uh, yeah. doing ADL modification, doing rehab, showing patients what they can do. Now we have. And uh, this is, we have an unbridled view of somebody who can, we can look at them, get the milk out of the refrigerator. So not only do we know they have shoulder pain and impingement syndrome, we do all of our magic to that. However, now we can actually watch them get the milk out of the refrigerator and to make modifications, that's rehab. People think of rehab as what exercise in this journal and this journal, that's, that's crap. Uh, Rehab is just showing the patient what they can do now. And so if you can actually modify their movement, modify their the way they have their fridge set up um, until they heal, uh, that's rehab. Um, so I, it's, it's kind of exciting, I think, right now to, uh, to have yeah. this new, new platform. I love it. So let's talk about, let's take a positive outlook. And those listening, take a big breath. We're going to move forward and we're going to talk about building. Because if we're building, we're moving forward. As my friend says, if you're just coasting, you have to be pointed downhill. <laughs> so we don't <laughs> want your practice to just be coasting right now. 
We want you to be thinking about ways to grow. And you may have seen retractions of your normal uh, ability. Like you, you've had to turn customers away, right, Brandon, in your practice um, because of comorbidities and other issues. You're actively turning people away for maybe the first time in the history of your practice, right? Yes. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people are there. So we're going to see some contraction there. But how can we grow in other ways that will allow for not only short-term growth, but long-term growth and a better model? Certainly telemedicine is one. You guys put out an absolutely top-notch, fantastic uh, report and an instruction webinar about telemedicine. For somebody that wants that structured guide, uh, where can they find that? Oh, that's just on, on Cairo up. Um, so anybody that goes on there and, and does a trial yeah. and we're extending those trial, a limited version of the, the service um, for during this crisis that anybody that signs up for a trial um, is going to have access to it until um, this is done. Nice. And the reason we're doing that is because telemedicine is a little bit different, you know, so we have a campaign built out to show people how to do telemedicine. Uh, in this, you do not have to have Cairo up to do telemedicine, um, but all of our resources are on Cairo up, so that's how we do it. Um, but then we also show how, you know, to structure that mm-hmm. call and how to make that call, you know, what services to use, and then uh, and then how to use Cairo up to do that call if they would choose to do so. Yeah. Uh, so that structure is probably the most important part of it is that most people just do the same thing over and over again. Uh, we do think there's a way of doing it differently with, with you know, assessing everything, uh, every ADL, every exercise, every uh, survey, you know, the whole thing is based upon actual results. So that, that's where they get, you know, um, that information. All right. Uh, and I, I've read through it and it's, it addresses every question that I had and, and about three that I didn't even think to have yet. So I think you guys <laughs> did a fantastic job of researching it. So let's talk about other growth models that, that folks listening can maybe go after. Um, I mean, I want to talk about the ways you can automate things because I know that you guys are huge about automation, efficient systems. But what, one of the things I love about you is that you you do automate a lot of tasks in your office, but as Gary Vandertruck says, you can't automate a hug, right? No. So no. You, you maintain that experience of the one-on-one customer service while also automating the things that maybe don't need to be done by a person, right? So if we look at growth, can we talk maybe about how people can become more efficient first? So... so- one thing that you said earlier that I, I said it and I was like, oh, I shouldn't, I, I didn't even like, as I was answering you, I didn't even like the words coming out of my mouth uh-huh. when you, um, and about turning patients away. And uh, this is, this is not my philosophy. This is more Dr. Bertelsman's philosophy. And uh, it really has made us more efficient. One in Cairo, but more, I think more importantly in, in Premier Rehab, uh, Premier Rehab is my clinic, uh, is that we are very restrictive on who we see. Okay. So when patients come in and they, uh, don't fit into, they don't have a positive outlook. Uh, they don't, they, they, they fail my biopsychosocial uh, exam. Uh, we don't, it's not that we don't see them. We say, Oh, good luck. Um, you know, we'll find someone else <laughs> for them. Um, but if I see patients walking around target and I see 10 of them and three of them, I know I didn't help. Uh, but they just weren't a good fit for my practice to begin with. Then that's a failure on my part to recognize that they weren't a good fit. So I think that the more restrictive you are, while it does, you will take a little bit of a bite, which is against what we're talking about this this webinar. So I, I understand that, but the more restrictive you are, will go a long way. Uh, the same thing with Cairo Up is we have some pretty 
high need people who want us to change everything that we do to meet their practice. And we just respectfully say, you know what, this product isn't for you. Because if we make accommodations, one is going to cost us time and money. We're never going to appease that person. The way the way a relationship starts, the way it ends. Um, so I think that one thing you can do is to be more restrictive. Uh, the second you know, piece, that's a oh, that's a great point. Ahead. No, because that does feed efficiency. When you are mm-hmm. working with the people you like, that understand how you work, that you understand them, you are more efficient. If I put a hundred people, a hundred of those people in your office, the amount of work you're able to do and provide high level customer service and great outcomes. And if I put a hundred people that absolutely do not fit your model, the amount of work you have to do, the amount of work your staff has to do, the amount of phone calls, it drags on the system, right? It's like compounding interest working against you, right? Just a little bit here, one extra phone call there, a text here, a reschedule there and questions and, and all those things. So a way to become more efficient for everybody listening a great first step. And we'll thank uh, Dr. Bertelsman, who wasn't even on this call, but he's so influential and so amazing. Mm-hmm. So what I want to say is list, who do you do a great job with? Who are the people that are the easiest ones for you to work with in your office? And if you have staff, call them and say, hey, who are the easiest ones? And then step back and moving forward, think these are who we want to go after. So in my world, it was... Um, you know, we had a lot of golfers, we had a lot of pros and semi-pro and high schooler, but I will tell you by far the easiest customer to work with was the female country club golfer. Someone that plays golf more than twice a month at a country club. She's a member, specifically females. They were so easy and were willing to pay and were just incredibly efficient. Didn't take a lot of work. The staff loved them. They they, we never had to chase them for money. We never had to do anything. They were willing to pay for everything. So we made a very uh, blatant decision to go after every one of those country club female golfers. Now, it's a, not a huge market, but if we could just fill up our books with everyone we get our hands on, we'll worry about the rest of our, pay, of our uh, time efficiency later. But we realized, man, these people are probably half as much work and literally pay us about 25% more than the rest of the world. So why not yeah. go after those people? Who's your perfect, like when you identify it, who is your, you said po- they have to have a positive outlook. Any two other factors that you have found are, are great? Um, uh, to one, one factor is they knew, I, they knew my transparent uh, business model, um, okay. meaning the people who understood that uh, thought like I thought. So my, my thought process is to get you in and out of pain as fast as possible, teach you what happened, you know, what, what caused it, and to never see you again. So the people that could repeat back to me, um, my, my business model, um, yeah. my best brand ambassadors. Okay. And one way we found that out is that yearly we take, uh, 10 people um, who we, who see us in practice and we take them out to lunch. My staff member, my office manager does, and we figure out what they like and what they don't like. And you start to see that trend of the people who are the most successful understand my business model. Uh, they're not people who are, you know, I'm there to entertain once a month with, uh, you know, how's the, the family. They're there for a reason. They're, they get out of pain as fast as possible. Um, so people who can, uh, you know, kind of tell you your own, um, your own vision, your own mission yeah. are often your, your best patients. And I think that that's the, the biggest piece of the biggest thing that I, I've noticed is they will work just as hard as I'll work to get them out of pain. The people who don't, they're just, you know, the people you ask, did you do your exercises? And they say, yes. You did all seven? Oh, yeah, I did them all. You don't have any questions? No. Those people didn't do their exercises. They didn't do their rehab. They didn't change their seat position. They didn't change their computer monitor. They didn't do anything. Because even the people who I ask to do one thing, they're going to have one comment. 
on that. So sure. finding people that'll take your advice and move with it. That's why I don't treat my own family is that my family discounts my care. And I love my family. I don't want to say anything bad about them, but my wife thinks of me as the, the guy who cuts the grass, not the guy who gives medical advice. Um, so, you know, people who don't value your care aren't going to be your best patients. Um, awesome. Just my opinion. Yeah. But how much more efficient has that made your office when you clearly identified that and made the decision it's okay to turn somebody away. It doesn't fit that model. Oh, I, um, I wish I had a number for you. I, I don't, yeah. um, as far as that goes, I, I, the only number that I have would be my scheduling. So when I first started practice, we, uh, Dr. Burles once again has a system, a well oil machine that we have certain points that we can see in an hour. So when I first started, I could, see, I could see I had four points per hour, which are essentially four patients. Or if a patient took a little extra time, they're a new patient, they might be a two-point patient. So I could I could see one new patient and two existing patients. That makes up my four points. And uh, when I first started in practice, I saw everybody from the age of you know pretty much 12 to 90. And as I've gone through and, and I'm, I'm in practice, I can see about 10 points uh, per hour. Meaning wow. if I just have 10 Medicare patients who are just only, and someone else is doing the rehab, someone else is doing you know, traction if they need it, or someone else is doing you know, intake and that kind of stuff, I can see 10. Um, now, if they're just a normal patient, they might be a two-point patient. So I've become a lot more efficient because I recognize who I can treat, who I can't treat. Um, so I can say that I, I can see a lot more patients and I feel like my, my care has gone up because I have automated. Uh, the people coming in, I've automated the 99 and a half percent of things that I do. So when they come in to me, I don't talk about manipulation. I don't talk about pops and cracks. I don't talk about pain. Uh, the only questions that I ask them is, Sally, it hurt when you picked your arm up over your head when you came in to first see me. Let's see it. Great. Now, I, then I start talking about family and that kind of stuff. And I just go about doing my work. And then uh, at the end of those, those minutes, um, I say, okay, let's check it again. Great. Let's do these exercises. I'll see you again on Wednesday. I'm going to check that again. And I think the biggest piece of that is having that adherence to care, having that compliance is based upon them having some homework, having something to work on. Um, and if they can, they can do the, that, that piece of it instead of me having to focus on doing that for them in the, the treatment room, that's how we get more efficient. Hey, you might hear me talk about our app, and I want to introduce you to the company who built our app, and that is Membrant. Membrant does nothing but design custom apps for small business owners like yourself. So how powerful is this? Well, if you had a custom app, you can deliver information to the phone of your patients in a way that helps them stay connected to you and your brand. So it could be videos, recipes, advice, articles, and these aren't ones that are on YouTube for everybody to see. These are dialed in specific to people that are on your list. Now you could use this for marketing. You could also use this for patient care and people could access certain exercises that are designed specifically for them and their case within the app that has your company's logo, your branding, and everything about it on there. So if you're interested, go ahead and check out membrant.com. That's membrant with a D, like Rembrandt, membrant.com or check it out in the show notes and we should have a link there. If you have any questions, hit me up because I think they're doing an amazing thing and it's one more way to provide better care and make a little bit more money while giving your patients what they want, which is that information and access to you. Thanks a lot. As Kairos are listening to this and looking forward, what are some other ways they can automate or increase the efficiency of their office in order to uh, make a little bit more money, see, you know, have a, a little bit more time, whatever it is, whatever their prize is at the end of that, what do you, what other tools have you found, habits, methods, processes, anything that you think are things to think about right now as people are, are maybe have some extra time on their hands and can actually tackle a large improvement in their practice? 
Let's talk about, the, so we'll talk about money and we'll talk about time. So let's talk about time first. Um, yeah. So time, the one is incorporate a CRM. I, I don't use MailChimp. Uh, use yeah, something yeah. that you can incorporate all your contacts in. And Let me just pause you real quick because this oh, has come up on a, a bunch of podcasts with people outside of the chiropractic industry as well. And for those who use one, it's like, I think it, it's like, uh, it's like going into the jungle with a light bulb and going, you guys, you're not going to believe this, you know? And when you have one, you're like, I, I love it. I turn on the lights every night. But if you didn't have light, you're like, I don't even understand what you're saying. A CRM is MailChimp. I'm trying to think of something else. Active campaign, constant contact, AWeber. If you've ever used one of those, it keeps a list of all your clients, but it also keeps a list of maybe people who are not yet clients, but they've heard about you. We call those prospects uh, or leads and it tracks their behavior. So it says like, I sent Brandon this email on this day. He replied on, you know, the following Saturday, or I've sent him, 38 emails and he hasn't opened any of them. It's like, all right, well, the chance of this guy, you know, breaking in is pretty, pretty low. Like he's probably not going to become a patient. It can also track different behaviors they have um, based on how they communicate or how they respond. Your EMR kind of functions like this only when that person's actively being treated. It tracks what days they came in, how much they paid and all that. But there's kind of an area before that and after that that a CRM does a great job of, of covering. Would you agree with that explanation? Absolutely. And I think the one thing that we've done is we've developed campaigns that if somebody comes in with a certain diagnosis, that's called a shoulder diagnosis, that one month, two months, three months, four months down the line, they get four uh, sequential emails that says, you know, hey, I'm glad your shoulder pain is doing better. Here's a new exercise consider. Third one, here's a new exercise consider. Here's a new Love thing it. that you consider with your workstation. Number three is probably going to be a different ask. Man, I'm glad you're doing good with your shoulder. Did you know we also treat plantar fasciitis? Uh, four goes back into, you know, another shoulder thing. So giving them more feedback and more, uh, more things that improve your relationship with the patient. Yeah. So uh, a CRM is a fantastic investment at this point. And um, you do have to spend some time building what they call campaigns, which is just the journey or the path you want that person to walk down. Um, but man, you build it once and that sucker will run the, the rest of your business life, right? Exactly. I mean, we did the same thing with telehealth. So telehealth, we have everybody tagged of active versus non-active patients. So we said, hey, who, is, uh, who have we seen in the last 60 days? who we, are, we do not have a future appointment with. And that was our list. That's our list of the people to contact to do telehealth with. Yeah. And that list used to take, oh, well, it's Sally and then it's John. No, I have my list of you know 300 people. They're on the list. Debbie, go give them a call. Here's the script. Um, so mm -hmm. it saves, not seconds, this saves hours. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So definitely incorporate a CRM. That's one of the things you said, like as, as people move forward. What else? I think that uh, that's the biggest time thing. You know, so we already talked about the digi digital marketing. I think that some people are just missing the boat with this. They think to themselves, yeah. well, this is the way I've always done it. I think that you really need to take a look at uh, one, just getting Google reviews. Well, not right now because you can't get Google reviews, but once this crisis is over, you know, what are the processes that you're going to take, you're going to put in your practice, to get Google reviews. Um, and then I think that the biggest thing for the money aspect of it is looking at your current services and adding new markets. And I say that uh, because people who buy from you once are 10 times more likely to buy from you in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think that as long as you're looking out for their best interest, I'm not looking to make more money. I'm looking to make happier, 
raving fans of my practice. Uh, the more happy raving fans I have in my practice, uh, the more successful I'll be in 10 years. And uh, it has nothing to do with that I get were they worth $500 to me that I see them 13 times that makes zero difference to me. I have never seen an EOB. I have no idea what insurance to take. I have no idea what their account balance is. I think if you're looking at those things, if I ever see you, I'm going to kick you in the shins uh, because that's a conflict of interest. Your interest should be to get that person out of pain and to not have them leave your office. Like, Oh, that was kind of good. You need to have them leaving your office and like, that was the best damn visit I've ever had in my life. Their staff was awesome. They were clean. And now I know what to expect. And I'm going to, I'm going to solve this problem. And if you have those kind of raving fans, that's how you build, you know, a practice. I think we were just talking about this before, but we have a construction company. We have three construction companies that send all their work comp to us. And uh, one thing that we've realized is that we have all of our patient education and all of our rehab in English. Uh, they unfortunately don't have uh, as many employees who speak English. So we're giving them information and giving them content and they can't communicate with us. Adherence to the care, compliance goes down, my results go down, and now their work comp numbers won't change because we're not getting the best possible care. So right. if I want to reduce that multiplier and I want to save that, that company money, I need to convert my service to Spanish and I didn't make sure those people understand their care. And that's what we've done with Cairo Up. So I think that the, the coolest part about this is just refining what you're already doing and making sure people are getting more value out of it. And if you can get people out of pain faster, if that's your, if that's your metric, um, then people will talk about you and, and enjoy coming into your office. I love it. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, the, the reason that I say that the gym model is a perfect addition to the chiropractic office is you already have a relationship with those people and at discharge, uh, you're basically sending them off. One of the things I think was worth considering is, well, why not contain those people for, you know, their active care or their, their activity, their exercise, if they already want somebody to lead them, they've already appreciated what you do. You've gotten them out of, like you said, Sally with the shoulder pain, you now have her exercising and she's able to lift weights and you say, you don't ever want this to come back. They don't ever need to go back in the clinic but they can stay in your program doing exercise at a high level. That doesn't necessarily, you know, it, it's so seamless right there to integrate. And you can literally do this in the space you already have. You know, you can use a 10 by 10 office. I have a client that has 175 square foot space with a pole in the middle of it for the structure that has... Okay, what kind of pole is it? <laughs> <laughs> a, a structural column, I should say. Yeah, thank you. Uh, um, and uh, she's running classes through there, four people at a time. She has three trainers that work for her. I think she has like 30 members or something that are exercising with her. And that's not all her patients, but it's patients that already appreciate the work she's done. They already, she, they know, like, and trust her. They trust giving her money. They know they get value out of it. So why not select her? You know, and how it's not that difficult to add on that additional service. Oh, so, I, I love that model. I think that that is when you could take rehab to performance or just keep them in rehab, keeping them happy, keeping them moving. Uh, those models, your, your model with the, the clinic gym rehab uh, in those kind of hybrid clinics is tremendous. And that's really where things are going to go. Mm -hmm. uh, that if you can find people already willing to pay cash for a service or already like you, um, then like we said, they're, they're more likely to buy from you again. And I think that it already fits into what you're doing. Um, I don't yep. know why anybody would not do it. Yeah. And you, you know, especially when you, there's such a low barrier, like you said, the, the barrier, all you need to do is translate what you already had into Spanish and you had a brand new market, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you already have some space, converting it to open rehab gym space, you already have it. 
you know, we're not saying to reinvent all parts of it. You already have the people coming in. You already understand the process of measuring and, and scheduling and, you know, an advancement. It's, it's a perfect marriage. I just, uh, yeah, I think it's just perfect marriage. And right now, you know, you could be using that gym or your clinic as a film studio, essentially, to get all your exercises and all the videos you ever wanted to send. That's a fantastic use of the time right now. So, so if I was interested in putting a gym in my clinic, um, yeah. how many days would it take to do? Days. Days. I think you could probably in seven days go from a, um, you know, assuming that you have the square footage in seven days, it's mostly the construction piece of just knocking down a few walls and opening up space. And, you know, in your case, if you have multiple divided offices, you could knock down and combine two of those rooms or three of those rooms to make an open gym space. And I don't think that you can't still use them for treatment at your highest, you know, your highest uh, time needs because many people are okay being treated out in the open. If you're doing some treatment and ground-based rehab, you can have tables in there that you just push to the side. That's one of our, or a couple of our clients have tra- treatment tables in their space and then push them to the side for uh, classes. And what's the average cost um, to a provider to set up a room, not the build out, but how much equipment and stuff would they need staff members? Oh, uh, you, you know, at first, a lot of them are coaching it themselves, um, but you can hire a trainer. Most the, the, you know, our education, we say like, you're trying to hire someone with great customer service skills and help them become a trainer. Those people are getting paid between $15 and $18 an hour. Um, and if you figure you have three days or three classes a day, five days a week, that's 15 hours of availability. I don't know what 15 times 15 is, but um, yeah, I mean, you're not looking at, you're not running classes all day long, just at your busiest times when people can get there. And equipment, uh, we've seen gyms start for less than $500, but I would say, you know, some $1,500 worth of equipment will get you a lot of traction. So what's the biggest friction point with someone starting a, a, a gym in their, in their clinic? <laughs> the number one reason? Uh, I think it's fear, fear of change. I would, that from the consults I've had, it's fear of change of the model. They understand their current model, but expanding, they're a little bit nervous about significantly changing that. And your average clinic, uh, what can they expect as far as if you're running at full capacity, how long would that take to get up to full capacity? It would take a month, would it take six months, would it take a year? You're saying full capacity in the gym? Full capacity in their gym. Probably within, you have your launch, which gets you up and going well in about two weeks. And then you probably have three months of work to get to where uh, you're pretty close to full capacity. And you, you develop all the, the paperwork and the, the consultation associated with that? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Look at that. I just switched around the webinar. Now I'm asking you questions. Yeah, man. I just started my you own. I'm going to send you this recording. No, I got <laughs> 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 to have you on more often, man. Uh, well, we do. You're a great wingman. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, absolutely. I'm going to bring you everywhere I go. Uh, you know, in Kansas City, I was just fortunate enough that you, no. you bought me lunch. Um, so. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not often that you see, uh, you know, you look across and, and there you see like the, the most famous face on Cairo up ever. And you know. <laughs> uh, no, I was just excited to see you guys. It was a, that was a long weekend. I was excited to be done. And, um, that those, you know, you teach, you know how those weekends are when yeah. you're done teaching, you're just done. You, Dr- know? you just yeah, can't even drained. think. Yeah, absolutely drained. Well, any other ideas for efficiency besides of course, adding a gym to their clinic or, um, a CRM, uh, any other ideas for efficiency or improvement of practices from all the folks that you have 
interviewed and, um, you know, you've been to tons of conferences, you've been in the deep in the chiropractic space. Is there any other glaring absence of, of things that you should think about that folks listening can think about? I think the CRM is a huge one. I mean, I would 100% back you up. I, I don't know why we don't use that more often in our, in our space. Yeah. So um, I'm going to, this, this is a little bit of a, a personal story and how first starting off, um, one of the biggest problems that I had is I didn't bill for my services. Mm-hmm. And um, what a re-exam would come up, uh, exercises would have to be billed out and I didn't do it. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't do it because I felt like I was charging the patient too much. Uh, one thing that I've learned and um, is, is to one, set up expectations with your patients and let them know within two weeks and four weeks, whatever it is that you're going to be doing a re-exam and then to bill for that and to do it because that's what's going to be your biggest mm-hmm. driver and how you measure results and how you move forward with that patient. Uh, but two, um, to make sure your staff is aware of those re-exams and that you're doing it mm-hmm. and that they bill for it. And I'd say that this is probably the, you know, I, I obviously have a company that does a lot of rehab. Uh, we didn't do rehab on every single patient and every single day. And I didn't do <laughs> you it. put it on the sign out front, but doesn't mean you actually did it. <laughs> exactly. And we did it at the very beginning. So it's not like I didn't yeah. give rehab. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, I, I didn't have the staff. I didn't have the personnel to actually do the rehab. And what you talk about as far as developing the space in your office was a fear of change. Um, mm-hmm. we, we can operate off a very small square footage. Um, so we didn't, we didn't blow up that wall. Um, we, we did all the rehab in office and I didn't have enough time to do it, but I was missing out on a huge chunk of change. Uh, in fact, our collections went up, I think it was 17% the year that we said, you know what? All patients are getting rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's an insurance carrier or whatever that needs me to do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, if they don't, then I'm going to have a, a staff member, an ATC, do it. Uh, we hired some interns to do that. Uh, 17% is a lot on the top. Absolutely. 17% with no more sweat off your brow, no more work Nothing. on your behalf. Yeah. In fact, I would argue that it was easier because there was, a, there was an exit point of that, that visit. It wasn't, hey, I'll see you on Friday. It was, all right, we're going to head over here. We're going to check out those exercises. Uh, it was an easy, uh, easy. Yeah. And now my, my rehab person is now scheduling those, those visits. Uh, it made my life easier. The la- you brought up a, a point that I just want everybody listening to hear this. You talked about interns and ATCs, and I'm sure that your uh, rehab staff are top notch. One of the things to make yourself more efficient too is step back and think, how can you empower your team to do more of your work? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people might think, oh, I don't want to dump it on them they may be chomping at the bit to go, hey, listen, I can't do everything you do, but you know what? I see you doing bird dogs and, and, and you know, dead bugs with these people. I could be doing that for you. you know. And I think right now, a great way to increase efficiency is communicate, communicate, communicate. Communicate with your office staff and saying, is there anywhere you're seeing that we're not billing for what we're doing? You know, If you talk to that front desk staff and they might go, yeah, Brandon, I don't want to tell you that you're being a dumbass, but every time I see you do this, I never see it you know, on the... And we never charge for it, man. You should definitely collect on that. And then also talk to your rehab staff or your CA and say, what do you see me doing that you think you could do? You know, write a list. And how can we get to the point where you're able to do that? Now they have to have the capability to do that. And you also have to have the trust, but you know what? Easiest way to close that gap is if you do training, in-service training, you're going to have the trust that they can do it. And they're going to appreciate the fact that you're helping them grow and it won't be dumping off work. So that's a great way to improve the processes in your office. So Brandon, uh, as you look three, five years from now, you know, we got all these things, we've improved our office efficiency, we're expanding to new markets. What's getting you excited about the future? Oh, results. 
Um, so how do we demonstrate results? Uh, we've been very fortunate to talk with third-party administrators and insurance companies mm-hmm. and different organizations, and no one, and I will say that, no one is doing it well. It doesn't matter who in the chiropractic profession or healthcare, nobody is getting clinical results. Meaning when somebody leaves, they're looking for segmentation of care. You know, after they leave Dr. Satterley's care, uh, do they go back and see someone else for 60 days? If the answer is no, they're considering that person well. But insurance companies are recognizing that's not true. They're, ooh, yeah. Some people may be, um, but they, they may just have given up. They may now be taking medication. They may be trying yoga, wh- whatever that may be. Um, so we have uh, some ideas on how to, uh, to communicate with patients a little bit better and to get those results. And the reason I'm so interested is not to get results. I, I'm not a, a data geek. Um, I'm interested in the changes in behavior that will happen after we get that data because of what I think what this is going to show is that if we look at across all cohorts of professions, there are certain professions, but I think more realistically, there are certain characteristics that these professionals are doing that are getting better results. And if we can find those characteristics, stop narrowing everybody down to orthopedic diagnosis or functional diagnosis and said, look how the patient presents, look at the actions that were taken, and here's the results. Then you can say, I don't really care if this person's a massage therapist, an ATC, a chiropractor, a DO, but when these patients come in with these six questions that were answered positive, they should be seeing this provider because they get the best results. So, uh, yeah. Have you heard of swarm, um, uh, uh, swarm intelligence? No. That's your homework. Next time we see each other, you're going to report. I'm kidding. Um, uh, look into swarm intelligence okay. and it's, uh, it's not artificial intelligence. Um, yeah. it's, it's swarm intelligence. And I think there's a potential for that in the future of, of our profession. And most importantly, how we're going to make our profession the best. Uh, I already think it is. Um, however, I yeah. think that uh, we just need a way to demonstrate. I think that. what you just said too will help us get over this. There's this issue that I just drives me nuts in in our profession, but in all of healthcare, we get into this relationship with insurance companies, and the agreement is we're going to play a game. So think basketball, right? And they're telling you, hey, when we play, the scoreboard will be scored on number of points scored legally within these bounds. Here are the lines on the ground. Here's where a three point shot is. Here's where a two point shot is. Here's where it's out of bounds. Agreed? And then we go and go, yeah, but I'm the best ball handler, dribbler you've ever seen. And in fact, I'm able to dribble much better than your team. And they're like, that's great. But we don't score dribbling. So we're telling you, there's the score. Here's the three-point line. Here's the two-point line. You know, and here's what foul, like free throws are worth. Okay. Yeah, but I did 18 crossovers and your team can't even do crossovers. So I'm better than you. And they're like, awesome. But we don't score that, you know? Exactly. And it's like, you would never enter a basketball game and be arguing with the other side about like what the score is based on. Like as you play the game, as soon as the game starts, we have already come to the agreement. Here's what is scored and here's what's not. And I think a lot of people get very frustrated because they get into a, they agree to a game of basketball with an insurance company and then they want to play by their own set of rules. And the, the insurance company actually legally is required to tell you what the rules are. And if they say it's evidence-informed, they have to publish the evidence that they're using to base it on. They're, like, they're showing you the rules. So what you're just saying, I think the fact that you're tracking and actually looking at that will be the secret key that unlocks the universe because you're like, okay, now I know how you're scored. Now I can set up coaching around how to take three-point shots and when not to take them. I can set exactly. up coaching about how to inbound. And you know what? Turns out in four games, we had six guys on the court. No wonder we didn't get any points for that time. 
and uh, we can reduce it to that, which I don't, I don't think that anybody's looking at it like that in all of healthcare, dude. So I really commend you. Um, and, and I hope everybody, like, if you're going to agree to that game, just realize to play by their rules. And if you do, you have a, you can still win a championship, <laughs> but you can't, yeah, you can't do it by playing by your own rules. So, uh, all right, Brandon. Well, it's always a pleasure talking with you. I'm very excited about the future. Um, what's the coolest new feature besides the telehealth thing in Cairo up that can help somebody expand their clinic? You said that right now, so that some people might not know this right now, Google is not allowing reviews to be published for, uh, Google, my business and whatnot, because they don't want the threat of false reviews. And if your business is closed, they realize that's no, that's no reason because you were closed by the governor or whatever to not be able to accept a review. So they're kind of leveling the playing field by just hitting pause. But that doesn't mean you can't set up your system now. Exactly. So if you don't have a, have a link system that makes sure every client is offered the chance to review you, that's a service that Cairo Op offers. Correct? Uh, yes. Um, it's just, in, I mean, it's, it's not a service. It's part of the program. It's just... In oh, yes. Yeah, so many people look at all the things that we do and people think that we're an exercise program or a patient education program or a Google review service or we, mm-hmm. you know, we all we do is we take your diagnosis and we automate the rest. Um, so once you say that someone has impingement syndrome of the shoulder, mm-hmm. then we're automatically going to give them their exercises and their ADLs based on their, uh, their condition that you've customized for yourself. And then uh, we can deliver that. We can get the actual results back. And now we have that, that transparent. So there's an app associated. You know what? We talked about this last year, I think. Um, so the app is up. We you, have, hadn't, uh, you hadn't released it yet. You were oh, like five oh. minutes away. Yeah. So talk about it. Yeah. So um, and I know we're not in video, but um, so now we have a way to communicate with our patients. We can send them infographics. They can communicate back with us, letting them know how their pain is. Um, did they do their exercises? They can say, you know, I saw Dr. Steele six times. Yeah, I'm 100% better. And I'm, uh, I sent him, he's an eight out of 10 as far as what I refer mm-hmm. this practitioner to a friend. So we can get real-time results back. And, uh, and then we also have some potential collaborations happening with uh, some big names in chiropractic. We could take that data and turn it into research. I'm not a researcher. I love research, but I'm not a researcher. Yeah. I read it all the time, but I can't perform it. Um, so we have and one of the limitations of researchers is they can't reach out into the community as easily as if you could essentially mobilize every local chiropractor, you could get fantastic research if we're all asking the same questions, right? Yeah. So th- those are all pieces, but the coolest piece of chiro... Uh, oh, you know what? I think it's, uh, it's on the back end, so people wouldn't be able to see it. Uh, but on the... Well, you would see it in the newsfeed. So uh, whenever we get an article in, so we get about three to 400 journal articles a month that we get sent to us. Um, and then we reduce it down to usually about 50, maybe 40 as far as which will actually impact a, a, a protocol or an exercise or rehab. So what happens is they get, we, we, we wrote the code for it. We get an article in, we summarize it, and then we can say, okay, this is a great Instagram post. Put this picture on here. This is going to be a great blog. Here's the video that goes with this. Here's what goes on people's uh, Facebook plan. Here's what's going to change your protocol. That once we make all those selections from this one piece of uh, this one article, this one, whatever it is, journal, we click submit and automatically the changes are dispersed. So now we're taking articles that aren't even published yet. Uh, they're not even being published. And we could take that information. We can divvy it out to every school, every provider, and it's in their protocols. It's in their Facebook page instantly. So it's, it's improving that knowledge translation piece for everybody. Awesome. Um, and having everybody have access to information they wouldn't have before. And hopefully the end result is the patient. Uh, as long as the patient can access that information on their app 
and then they can give you back information. I think it, it ties together a couple key pieces. We, uh, we also had the language that's being rolled out, um, language going into Spanish. It's in, it's in staging right now. It'll be out in the next month. Uh, we're getting everything verified. We'll have that. And then also, uh, we're, going across the uh, across the pond to a couple countries for uh, also translation nice. uh, because we have several subscribers over there. Yeah. Take you a while to translate it into uh, British, right? You know what? <laughs> so this is, it'll come out in the next couple of months, but Dr. B and I are going to do a little translation into um, Australia. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the great news about the app is, you know, the efficiency go with where your customer wants to get the information. And you think about how many people are accessing the internet through their iPhone versus how many are accessing it over a desktop and it, you know, or how many look at Instagram on iPhone versus, I don't even know if Instagram has a website for God's sakes, but um, you know, it's, it's so much better and it's with them all the time, just like their painful condition. So they'll be able to give you much more accurate real-time data instead of when they have to sit down, open their, email, which a lot of people resist anyways, and then, you know, fill out any form. So I think the, the bridge that that's offering and the idea of real-time neighborhood level research is incredible. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, Brandon, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about Kyra. Congratulations on all you built. I uh, hope your family and you are safe. Any last words you want to share with our crew? Thanks for having me again. I look forward to Absolutely. catching up. All right, buddy. Well, be safe out there and, uh, on behalf of Brandon Steele, this is Josh Saturday saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of, even in these crazy times. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information, just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. That's clinicgymhybrid.com and check us out there.